Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday, Hump Day edition of the show. Going to spend some time reflecting on the fury of moves that have happened in the NFL with the legal tampering period of free agency now upon us. And uh, Kyle, looking forward to getting your thoughts on this stuff. Oh, are we having fun yet? I think are we so. having fun? I think so. I'm having fun. I'm having a blast. Just My make teams. sure you're not too emotionally invested, Kyle. It's always important. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you definitely you're not allowed to have fun with your job when your full time job, which we've worked years and years for, is to cover football full time. And now now we're in these shoes, and uh, we're not allowed to have fun with it. So haters are always furious, Kyle. They're always furious. But we have been blessed with a new Twitter Abby for you. Yeah, Sam Monson of PFF hit me with. Uh, I'd been I've been comp before a couple months ago to one of the characters from the Rugrats, the kid with like the shitty hair, and uh, I have shitty Phil? hair. Is it Phil or is it? I Phil think and it's Bill? It, yeah, Phil? it's Phil, Phil, Phil and, and Lil. Lil, Phil okay, and Lil. So I'm Phil, Phil, right? Okay, I'm yeah. Phil in this scenario. So uh, first time I got hit with that, I, I laughed my ass off. It's really funny, and um, especially depending like what's in my hair or not in my hair, like it looks exactly like the kid, and. Uh, <laughs> I posted a video yesterday of my reaction to Devontae Parker's extension with the Dolphins. And uh, one of the PFF guys hit it with uh, the Phil picture and then Sam photoshopped Dolphins logos on the sleeves, a glass of whiskey in one hand and a cigar in the other hand. And uh, we get a rocket. It's just too accurate to just ignore. You want a personal story about Rugrats real quick? Yeah, always. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this on a recorded podcast for all of our listeners to hear, but um, my the thousands, my ex- the thousands and thousands. Yeah, the thousands of them. My ex-wife, right, should have known this was a red flag when I found out that her parents did not allow her to watch Rugrats because they were defiant babies. What? <laughs> should have been a red flag. What? Didn't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, man. man. I'll tell yeah. you what. That's like signing an off-ball linebacker to play edge rusher. <laughs> There's big red flags there. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? And here you are, all these years later, getting ready to to lock in a first-round pick this time. Theorizing your head, what made Anthony Barr change his mind off after the massive contract it was reported to oh, that he agreed with the New York Jets? Did he remember goodness. that Adam Gase was the head coach of the Jets and said, nah, dude, I'm good. What do you think it was, Kyle? I don't know, but it's wild because theoretically this would have been such a theoretically would have been a good fit, right? Like to he do was what? super athletic. He played 
I mean, that that was the thing. I know Matt Miller over Bleacher Report said, you know, if Greg Williams wants to rush him off the edge, you know, let Greg Williams rush him off the edge. But uh, somebody had put out the numbers that he only rushed off the edge like 50 times last year or something like that. Like, he has not done it since UCLA. Yeah, five years. Yeah. And um, I can't imagine he's really honed his craft as a pass rusher, and that was his weakness coming out. Right. And I was Nuance. super high on Bar. I, I yeah. barred my top 10 overall players in 2014. But at the same time, it was like, it's kind of like what we have with Josh Allen right now, which is really interesting, right? Like, Josh is a superior athlete. Anthony out of UCLA was a superior athlete, but neither one of them really has put together like defined pass rush plans. And that's the Anthony Barr model is my backup plan for Josh Allen. Where if he doesn't stick, he has the movement skills to play in space and play as an off ball linebacker as a will. And that's kind of that pathway to and road pat, roadmap to if he can't turn the corner as a pass rusher and he can't really develop himself, that's yeah. the way you're going to have to play him. Yeah, and I think I think actually an underrated component of Josh Allen's game is his ability in space where he actually had success in Kentucky. It's actually a cleaner projection, honestly, than Barr to off-ball yeah. linebacker. Yeah. We've Didn't seen- he, did, wasn't he playing like turn and run against Sternberger downfield and stuff like that? Uh, yes. Yeah, he did. Those I, b- I believe he, he had a pass defense like near the goal line inside the five yard line on like a pass that was like 20 yards downfield. And he was covering one of those athletic tight ends from the SEC. I believe it was Sternberger. He can do it. But you didn't see Barr do that? No. At all? No. no, it was a pure guess. He was literally just a I'm going to try to win a race around the outside edge track every time at UCLA. I remember him being one of the first really challenging evaluations of like my my career where I was really trying to land a job doing this full time he was a guy that really i spent a lot of time with and was confused with he was a good learning example um i want to talk jets about are still spending money though they are we don't know if they're going to land levy and bell there's been some reports that um uh, potentially the money that they were going to commit to bar is now going to go to levy on bell and for full disclosure we, we are recording this podcast at 1 20 p.m oh on, i can't wait on... until this drops tomorrow morning and everything's <laughs> wrong because everything well, has changed 1.20 p.m. on March 12th. But, yeah, they've spent money, right? They've got a couple. they got a receiver in James and Crowder. C.J. Mosley got is, the Brinks truck. Yeah, five years, 85 for Mosley, who's a great linebacker, one of the probably the 10 best in the league. I mean, we're just talking. That's that's a lot of per-year money to commit to C.J. Mosley. Now, the Jets had the money, right? And you, you right. think about these windows with a rookie quarterback, and they have that with Sam Darnold for four more seasons. So I totally get going all in on that window. Man, I just that's a lot for 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 Mosley and I think at some point you do have to reflect on the value of the deal and I think I don't think anyone is not going to argue that this is an overpay. Sure. I mean, and you have to see how the cash lays out throughout the course of the life of the contract mm-hmm. too, right? That's mm-hmm. always such a big component. So we can't overreact and knee jerk too hard, but an average of 17 mil per <laughs> is very very rich. When you consider, and th- this is a distinguishment that I feel like we need to make, Joe, because you know we're draft guys, but at the same time we're roster construction guys more than anything, and that, that's the draft is the main component of building a roster in the NFL and drafting and, and attaining and retaining talent. There's a difference between paying what the market dictates and understanding that the salary cap has inflation on a year by year basis versus overpaying talent 
even if that's what the market going rate is, right? We saw that is CJ Mosley worth 17 million a year when Luke Keekley's getting 12 and a half. <laughs> no, no. Is Juwan, James, is, right. is Juwan James a better right tackle than Lane Johnson? Not right no. now. Nope. And right now, Juwan James is poised to get 13 mil average per year with 8 million of that guaranteed per year average. That's Lane Johnson's getting 11 and 7.1. So, like, I understand that you hit the market and there's going to be bidding wars, but how are you going to tell me some of these teams? And I'm not going to say that Mosley's not going to work out in New York, and I'm not saying that James isn't going to work out in Denver. But inevitably, the vast majority of these contracts, you're going to see teams that regret giving this kind of cash capital out two years down the road because the money right now is bonkers. Yeah, what the, the cash distribution of these deals are often very front-loaded. And so in three years, there's usually an opportunity to cut ways with minimal dead cap. And so I, we, you saw that with the fury of players that were released prior to free agency. You see it every year. So... Um, yeah, the the structure of the deal is is probably more important than the terms that we get, you know, in this in this portion of free agency. We got to talk about the Packers, right, Kyle? I mean, my, oh my goodness, goodness, you yeah. talk about attacking needs in free agency to set yourself up to to get the best player available with your draft picks. The Packers have done that masterfully. We've been talking a lot about this is a team that got sacks, but they didn't have them from the edge. They've got a nice a nice group of interior rushers but who was winning off the edge for the Packers nobody well now they've got Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith two very versatile edge defenders that have good pass rushing skill sets Zadarius Smith is extremely versatile he actually does well in coverage he plays the run well and so they got way better in the front seven and then they go and get Adrian Amos who is arguably the biggest signing of those three in my opinion what he can do on the back end they really needed that type of a safety uh behind you know some of their young cornerbacks obviously very excited about Jair Alexander but knowing you have a guy that can win and be secure on the back end like Adrian Amos that does so much for their defense and then they went out and got Billy Turner to play right guard and so there's no glaring needs on the Green Bay Packers roster right now they've got two first round picks they can go get an x-factor tight end they can still build up the offensive line they can still get receivers for, 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 for Aaron Rodgers they are in great shape and so you know, I was a little nervous about them moving forward with the way the Bears were going and how competitive the NFC is as a whole. But my goodness, they have revitalized this roster very quickly under Aaron Rodgers as he kind of nears the, the back portion of his career. Bro, they are giving Billy Turner $11 million in guaranteed money this year. It's a lot. That's wild. I think their best signing is Preston Smith, though. Really? For 13, for 13 mil a year. Preston Smith is a super underrated pass rusher, and he's a player that I really liked. I was hoping he would have been the backup plan for the Dolphins if they were interested in getting a young, mid-20s edge rusher, and they weren't going to go out and pay Trey Flowers between 16 and $18 million a year. Preston Smith was that economic-friendly. He's technically more productive. I get, I get that Trey Flowers had a better year last year, but Preston Smith is still – a really, really nice football player as far as I'm concerned. He came in as a rotational pass rusher as a rookie and had, I think, eight sacks. Uh, then he had four, then he had eight and a half, and then he had four again. So there's ups and downs with him, but on a roster now that's got Kyler Fackrell that can rush all the edges of stand-up outside linebackers, Darius Smith, and now Preston Smith, this pass rush rotation for the Packers is, is greatly overhauled. I like it a lot. Give me nine mil a season for Amos is the best deal. But it's a – 
it's a good argument to have if you're listening to this and you're a Packers fan because you you went out and, it, they, hey, this isn't Ted Thompson's Green Bay Packers, man. We didn't see this type of stuff for years from the Packers in free agency. So it's uh, it's interesting and very different to, to watch. Well, Joe, if we're going to talk about teams that are spending money, we should probably talk about the Oakland Raiders, right? <laughs> With the trade and extension of Antonio Brown, but then the free agent agreements, I say agreements because these aren't finalized yet, they're not signings yet, of Trenton Brown and LaMarcus Joyner. Trenton Brown, the highest paid offensive lineman in football, in the history of football right now. Four-year, $66 million deal. I mean, that that's very rich, and I think the dynamics of this signing are interesting because Trenton Brown now is going to be taking over as the left tackle for the Oakland Raiders, and they just spent a top 20 pick on a left tackle last year that down they're now moving to the right side in Colton Miller. And Colton Miller was a dumpster fire last year. So uh, this is throwing money at a problem and hoping that you can address it, but I don't think you've made right tackle any better by taking a bad left tackle and now forcing him to switch sides. Do you? I get nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Um, I like Trenton Brown, maybe not for that money, but I mean, they got to get the offensive line, right? And he's, so then why did you trade assembly? I can't justify it. <laughs> Cause you want to talk about getting the offensive right. Okay. Then don't take one of your best players and trade them and then over grossly overpay for a left tackle who honestly really only played good for about six games last year, just so happened he played really good in the playoffs, and give him that kind of contract. That It just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I like the James contract. I know you don't like it, but if you – so Juwan James in Denver, I actually like both of their pickups. Uh, Kareem Jackson, cornerback, three years, $33 million. Uh, Probably, eh, and arguably the best tackling cornerback – in football, and that's something Vic Vangio really values in his corners. They get him, obviously, Chris Harris back on the team option. They picked up Emmanuel Sanders on the team option. But then I really like this Juwan James deal because right now, they're I mean, they had a really big issue at right tackle. And they've brought in James, who I think we can all mention that he has some technical issues that he can improve upon. He's still at least probably an average right tackle in the NFL. But you think about him working with Mike Munchak, and the job that he's done with countless offensive linemen throughout his career. And I get excited about what he can become with uh, with Munchak and obviously Garrett Bowles with Munchak. So I think they need to get the offensive line right. If they're going to play Joe Flacco, and we can make jokes about Joe Flacco, but he's going to be the guy there. If they're going to get anything out of him, they're going to try to capitalize what they have on defense and win with Joe Flacco. They've done well, I think, to, uh, to get Mike Munchak, but then also get an offensive line that I think is – uh, potentially a guy that can get even better than what he's been so far in the NFL. I mean, I hear you, but at the same time, this is the richest right contract, right tackle contract in the NFL. You know, but that's that's what's happened, right? Like every offseason we get it. We've already so so far this offseason we've had the richest wide receiver in Antonio Brown, the richest offensive tackle in left tackle in Trenton Brown, the richest right tackle in Juwan James, the richest center in Mitch Morse. We're gonna have the richest running back here in Le'Veon Bell. We're we had the are richest we? safety you in think Lane we are? Collins. Yeah, he's going to get 17 to 20 a year. Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, I think he's going to. You think so? Mm. Yeah. Right here's a, a, a tweet right now that I'm reading uh, that said, according to multiple sources, Bell could end up making between 17 and 20 million annually from the Jets, and he's uh, believed to be a deal worth 
four years and sixty million guaranteed, he's going to get it. What a so, stupid franchise! It, it's well, let's see if it what happens. A stupid right? team. But the reality is, every year, whenever guys are available and the markets reset and it goes up every single year, we're always going to have that. This guy's the richest player ever at this position. We saw it at linebacker, uh, CJ Mosley. I mean, it's like every position we're going to continue to see this. Okay, but here's the thing. Who are the teams that are consistently good in the NFL? The one that has Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Okay, who else? Who else is pretty like consistently solid? Pittsburgh's always good. Okay, what Pittsburgh doing for agency? Marquise Pouncey for less than $10 million a year and Ramon Foster. Re-signings. No free agent signings. What about the Philadelphia Eagles? Their only signing right now is Malik Jackson, who got cut because of numbers game and cap space so they could clear out. Jacksonville could clear out space for Nick Foles to give him an astronomical amount of money. And they signed Malik Jackson for three years, $30 million. Malik Jackson's better than a $10 million per year player if you're going off the, the contracts that other people are getting paid out. I think it's all important. I'm a draft guy, you know, th- through and through. I want draft picks. I want to sign my draft picks. But there, all the ways that you can build a roster matter. Trades, free agency, the draft. And yeah. I, I think you can you can be good at it all. It doesn't mean that it's going to be the the meat and potatoes of what, you, of what you do every year. But you're going to be able to have opportunities to go get players. And I, people like to say, like, oh, there's a reason their team let up on them. Well, maybe that's reason is that they couldn't afford them. They, you know, they have a, every circumstance is different. There's too many ge- – you can't, like, slap generalities over this type of discussion because the context of every individual situation matters. Right, but that's – I don't get the whitewash statement to say, well, you know, the top guys at each position on the market are just – they're destined to get the number – the the top-paying contract. Then don't oh, pay yeah, them. that's just what happens. Yeah, then, you don't have don't to pay, pay it. No, you know, and I and I think, I think there's a reason to be frown to frown upon a lot of those deals we just talked about. But I think it's 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 some I'm somewhat numb to that comment that this guy's had the biggest deal ever for this position just because timing affects that so much. Joe, how do you feel about what the Bills have done so far? A lot of re-signings and a lot of a lot of agreements in place. Um, I, I like it a lot. Uh, I mean, getting separation guys for Josh Allen. Thanks for spending months explaining to me why that was the right thing to do instead of getting towering receivers. And so now in John Brown, you have a vertical threat. You have Cole Beasley, who's going to be an effective slot guy. And then you mix that in with Foster and Jones and you feel like you got a, a lot of athletes there at receiver for Josh Allen. Um, went ahead and, I mean, they've really upgraded their ability to pass protect with Mitch Morse, who's one of the best pass blocking centers in the game, a veteran, somebody that I thought they really needed to get a veteran center to kind of gel that offensive line together and uh, allow Josh Allen to focus on the back seven and know that the front, the front rush there is going to be taken care of. But I low key really love the Frank Gore signing and I'll get through this very quick. And I know that everyone has jokes about it because he's going to be 36 here soon. And the bills have Chris Ivory and LaShawn McCoy and they're over 30 and the bills have the three oldest running backs in the league under contract right now. And so everyone wants to make fun of the age factor, but I think there are so many reasons why this is a good deal for the bills. First of all, I think he's really tight with LaShawn McCoy. I think that this helps keep LaShawn McCoy focused and you can maybe get the best version of LaShawn McCoy who wants that 12,000 yards. I think Frank Gore had the best season of his career last year. He averaged 3.29 yards after contact last season. And that's the most since his rookie year. His average per season is 2.55 yards after contact. He did that behind a bad Miami Dolphins offensive line with a bad passing game. He still found ways to be productive. He's still playing good football. 
And then also his value in terms of being a veteran. I, I like the idea of having veterans in the backfield with Josh Allen. Right now, you could deplete the position. You can get a bunch of rookies back there, and you have this really inexperienced backfield. Now with guys like McCoy and Gore, you have a ton of experience in the backfield with Josh Allen. And then lastly, you, per, you your pass protection is better. So you went out and got an elite pass blocking center in Mitch Morris, and now you have a guy in Frank Gore who's been playing – football for a thousand years and knows how to pass block as well so I think all of those reasons working together makes Frank Gore a nice signing on a one-year two million dollar deal for the Bills despite him being a thousand and eight years old I thought you said you're gonna keep it short well that's as short as I can get I had to get through all my talking points listen there. you've got locked on Bills to have your your soapbox sessions well you I wasn't gonna talk about the Bills at all and then you you gave me the inch and you know yeah, I'm gonna I, take it I wanted the inch I didn't want the mile well, you got you got you got six or seven inches there. You're well, welcome. You've been blessed. Excuse me. <laughs> Rugrats, man. We got to talk about the Detroit Lions before we wrap this show. All right. Aggressive Detroit Lions. They're going out and they're getting uh, getting some Patriots alumni. They signed Danny Amendola one year, four and a half mil. I think that's a fine signing. They signed Justin Coleman to play the nickel, four years, thirty six mil. And they signed Trey Flowers to a five-year deal that we don't know the exact parameters on, but that's expected to be somewhere around $17 million per year. And then they signed Jesse James from Pittsburgh, four years, $25 million. Uh, for me personally, I like the signing of Justin Coleman the most. Yeah. Um, really underrated football player. He was, he was pretty good coming out of Tennessee, too, and went undrafted and has really landed on his feet. And it's always great to see a, a guy like that kind of get himself a payday and, and reward himself for all the hard work and, and the perseverance that it takes when you're a college football player who shows a lot of talent and, you know, the, the draft process doesn't play out the way he wanted to. And he landed in a perfect situation for him, really accentuated his strengths. And you should see, should see an extension of that in Detroit with Matt Patricia there as the head coach. Um, the Jesse James one for me is – the one that I dislike the most. I, I've kind of talked about the financials and how I'm really down on the prospect of, of paying record-setting deals in free agency and how typically there's buyer's remorse after a few years, especially because you see players play in a certain condition and that allows them to play at the level that they do and then they go somewhere else and you typically can't get that replicated to the same umph degree. With Trey Flowers in Detroit, he's playing with a coaching staff that's very familiar with him. They're going to ask him to do a lot of the same thing. So, there's a little bit more transitive correlation there between those two guys, but uh, Jesse James for me is the one that stands out. And like, did you really need to give Jesse James four four years, twenty five million dollar contract? Uh, these these backup tight ends are getting paid, brother. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> what do you, is is the NFL just going to go to more twelve personnel? Like, Nick, what's going Nick on here? Nick Boyle, Tyler Croft, Jesse yeah. James. These guys are all getting CJ Uzoma. Yeah, either six, twenty seven, mil or close to close to it. Yeah. Hey, if you're tall and you're tall, you can get up to about two hundred fifty pounds. Get in the Uzoma, way of some guys. Uzoma Loki is a nice football player, though. He I is, didn't mind that taken, signing. He's taken some time. He has taken some time, but yeah, there's some ceiling there. I mean, the Bengals, man, they had Croft, Eifert, and Uzoma, and they all kept getting hurt. So yeah, and the one that survives is Uzoma. We'll see how he does. Cal, can I defend Blake Bortles real quick? Or not? Blake no, Bortles? no, no. <laughs> You may not. You gotta edit that out on me, brother. No. Edit that out. That's a sound bite that cannot can I, live. Can I defend Blake Bortles real no. quick? <laughs> we gotta get that out of the archives right who away. You, who are you defending? Who are you defending if it's not Blake? 
Or is it Bobby Hart? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just Nick trying to think Foles. of oh, okay. Nick okay. Foles. I think you can frown upon this deal. Four years, $88 million. But let me give you a quick moment here on why I think this is okay. First of all, Jacksonville. Elite defense, right? This is a team one year removed from the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles. Can you not get there with Nick Foles? You upgrade the position. You have that same championship caliber defense in place. Get some weapons around him, and are we that far removed from competing again in the AFC? Here's the thing. Is Jacksonville, with that defense, ever going to suck bad enough to be able to go and really land one of the top quarterbacks in the draft? I think at some point you have to embrace what you have, which is pretty exciting defensively for the Jaguars, and I think that this gives them a reasonable opportunity to compete despite not having an elite quarterback. And this is a guy, I mean, look, he's he's made deep playoff runs before. He's won the Super Bowl before. I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do. Yeah, I think the deal's fine. I think Jacksonville bit against themselves for no reason. Yeah, that's funky, it's but stupid. I mean- and the justification was so that he comes in and the team knows this is the guy. And what? It's not my money, I so. <laughs> I guess. I guess. That was the part that I really took exception. was like, you didn't have to. What was the market for him? What was everybody else lining up to pay Nick Nobody. Foles? So who are the realistic suitors? Miami? Never going to do that, right? Nope. Never in a nope. million years. Who's the other one? Cincinnati? No, never going to happen. Dude, the, the speaking, the of, Miami, speaking no. of Miami and quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Jane Slater of NFL Network said that Bridgewater's going back to New Orleans and um, declined a deal that had more money from Miami to come in. At least one Miami outlet has come out and said, mm, the people we talked to said Miami never offered Teddy Bridgewater a contract. I thought that was really interesting. I think the Miami Dolphins would prefer that nobody plays quarterback next year. If they could take 0-16 right now, you think they're not taking it? I have a question for you. Go ahead. Would you subject yourself to what Cleveland Browns fans experienced the last two years if it meant you got Trevor Lawrence at the end of the rainbow? A million percent. And that is that is my moral conflict right now. Brother, because I... Because I I've feel been, like I would, but I just don't know how I would survive 32 football games and win. Gotta one. get through it. You just have to get through it, right? I mean, that's the thing is, I, and I tweeted it earlier, I give the Miami Dolphins a lot of credit for being very honest about where they are as a football team with their roster and taking this chance with the, with the new coaching staff, trim the fat off the roster, survive the suck, embrace it, but they're going to be better for it. There's no way they can keep trying to slap Band-Aids and go win six or seven games. It's, it's never – it's going to be out of control. It already is out of control. Well, and they, they're not even necessarily like deliberately trying to suck. They're just being honest with like this is what yes. we value you at as a player – and you can sign and play here. We would love to have you, but we're not going to play the game everybody else plays, which Mike Tannenbaum in years past would have had a blank checkbook. That's the True. biggest difference. Mike Tannenbaum, my God. Yeah, no, I think I respect what they're doing. It's going to take some time, but it'll be worth it. And everyone's going to crack jokes at him for the next two years. It's going to be annoying. I, I can help you get through that. But I think at the end of the day, the Dolphins, for any chance of them succeeding long-term, especially when I think you're seeing – a new landscape in the NFL come up, come across here with different quarterbacks that are going to be the top echelon guys. Miami Dolphins have to fit somewhere in that picture. Right now they don't fit very well, but at some point they have to do something to get in the conversation. I like what they're doing, even though they're not really doing anything. Right. It's just trust the process. Trust it, brother. Trust the process.
You guys should trust that we're going to come back with another great show again tomorrow. So why don't you come back and see us? I am at Grinding the Tape. Joe is at the Joe Marino. Make sure you swing over to thedraftnetwork.com. we got a great free agency tracker to help you guys keep up with all of the signings and trades and transactions as they start to roll through today. Window opens at 4 o'clock, Joe. Yeah. I'm, what's going to be different? I don't know what's different. Well, we're going to finalize it. We're going to put oh. pen to so paper the- in. Anthony Barl changes mine three more times. And <laughs> There's going to be pictures from official team Twitter accounts yeah. of the players yeah. and press They're conferences. Be, maybe press conferences. Everyone's so. really excited about the new opportunity. Can't wait Everybody's to get winning the Super Bowl next year, except Got for the it. Dolphins. You know, except that kind the- of stuff. <laughs> Not even going to so pretend. So come back. <laughs> come back and uh, listen. They trotted Dwayne Allen out there and – that's their whole social media account while everybody else was agreeing to contracts with people was Dwayne <laughs> Allen's freaking press conference. Get the hell out of here. You guys get the hell out of here too, but make sure you come back and see us again tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.